Episode number 37. Um, this week we're talking top five uh, movie love stories. Um, so we have selected our favorite uh, love stories from within a film. And it doesn't mean the movie itself has to be a love story. It could be a love story inside of another film, like a, a bigger story. It doesn't have to be a romance or a, what often is called a chick flick for this to qualify. Um, this could be like a B story in a film where it's the secondary story, but nonetheless uh, important enough that we loved it. And um, and yeah, so with me, uh, well, first, I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Hello. And how are you guys doing today? Tired right now. You've had a long weekend, huh, bub? Yeah. I have... I'm a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I've been off for 10 days, and I go back to work tomorrow. Um, you know, off with, you know, major dental surgery, mind you, but nonetheless, still off for 10 days, so... Um, I'm both excited and then nervous. There's always that like first day back kind of feel. Um, mm-hmm. I do love my job, but nonetheless, it's still like, oh, I have to get up earlier than I've been getting up. And, um, you know, I have to hope that I don't have any like random tooth pain tomorrow, although I, I'm, it's pretty much healed at this point. But it's still like there's there's still some tenderness on a couple of the uh, the areas. So, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. But nonetheless, I digress. Um, if you are listening to our top five podcast. Uh, you should know a couple of things. One, we have migrated our host to SoundCloud. So if you're a SoundCloud user, you can easily follow us on SoundCloud, and we encourage you to do so. Um, otherwise, the podcast should mainly be uninterrupted. I'm hoping that if you were a podcast uh, user like the, from iTunes, um, that you will have no interruptions. The only thing you'll notice is that our Movie Club podcast will now show up, and it should change. Um, the graphic will now say uh, Burke Reviews Podcast instead of Top 5 Movies. Um, it's the same podcast. We just added our movie club to one area, and that's because of the the host migration. Um, so just a heads up, you don't have to listen to both, although we would love for you to listen to both. And, um, you know, we'll still be doing the same two podcasts every week and see what happens. Although uh, Corey and I did do an extra movie club podcast this week because we both saw A Cure for Wellness. So that just went live uh, on Monday. Um, so, yeah, that's the big news in our podcast world. But Otherwise, today we're going to jump right into our top five, and this is basically, if you're new to the podcast, we know our topic going into this episode, but we we do not share our list with each other, and that's what this podcast is. It's us sharing our list with one another. Um, We do love to hear from our fans, though, so if you want to contribute, you can comment, tweet at us, whatever, your top five uh, movies for this list subject uh, please do so, and we'll we'll talk about that more at the end. But um, Corey's got some information for our listeners, though. Spoiler warning: We are probably going to give some details about. We will give some details about these movies. You might not want to hear if you haven't heard them or watched them already. So check out our list our list at burkreviews.com first if you don't want us to be ruiners. And again, our topic this week is top five love stories and top five movie love stories. And I will be going first. Um, it is my turn in the rotation. So. I am ready to jump in if you guys are good. Who's going second? Ooh, good call. <laughs> um, Mike, you feel I up? can go. Oh, oh no, or... Corey volunteered. Corey volunteered. Unless Mike objects. Nope, I guess the motion's passed. No strikes. All okay. right. So for my first uh, favorite love story, my number five on my top five list, um, we're going back to 1995 when things were a little simpler. Um, we All we needed was a mall, a place we could hang out, shop, you know, get a cookie in the uh, adjacent eatery but not part of the food court. 
and that is Mallrats, um, particularly Renee and Brody, or Shannon Doherty's character Renee and Jason Lee's character Brody, their love story. Um, it starts the movie starts off with them breaking up. Uh, Renee's tired of his laziness, tired of his immaturity, and um, we spend most of the movie with Brody denying that he's upset about the breakup, that he's okay with it. Yet we know better. There's no question that he's hurting, but he's trying to be macho. And um, eventually he comes to that same realization that he does need Renee. And he wins her back um, by embarrassing Ben Affleck with a sex tape scandal. So um, Mallrats is one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies. uh, And I absolutely love Brody. Um, He's one of my favorite characters that Kevin Smith has written. So when I was making this list, there was no no chance I could leave it off as the love story is pretty pretty nice, pretty sweet. Everybody likes Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. (laughs) Exactly. So, and I haven't seen this movie in a long time, so oh, this is Sorry. One, it's a movie I revisit at least once every couple of years. Um, it is it's again it's a favorite of mine. Um, definitely, I actually watched it last year, um, and I think I watched part of it recently. It was on Cinemax or Showtime or one of those channels. Ooh, I'll have to check. This is probably my, one of my wife's favorite Kevin, or probably her only preferred Kevin Smith film. <laughs> I don't think she cares for any oh. of the others, but this one I don't know why she just. I, 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 I'm going to have to ask why this one over the others. It might be a Jason Lee thing. Well, um, this does introduce most of the people to Jason Lee, um, although he had done a movie or two before. Um, yeah, I think he'd uh, Mumford. Might he, would he have done Mumford before this? I don't remember for sure. I think the, the uh, ones... That's that I'm going to have to look at. But it is, it, the movie is a love story. I mean, in both, both the main characters, you have T.S. and then Brody, both are trying to win back their scorned lover. Um, and I just find Brody to be a funner, a more fun character than T.S. T.S., uh, he's a little bit whiny through most of the film, although he, he does kind of grow, you know, to be a little more confident by the end, but I definitely prefer Brody's, um, arc. Uh, it's a little more subtle, um, yet it's important, it's a huge change because he goes from being very denied, you know, in denial about everything to accepting that he is trying to, he needs to grow up and he needs to be honest with Renee about his feelings, and, um, I appreciate that. I do like Claire Forlani, though, although that's a tough choice, Shannon Doherty. Ah, uh, yeah, Mm. which, I mean, yeah, I can see your point, but, you know, um, I do know that when Kevin Smith was trying to do Mallrats 2, or Mallbrats, um, that Mm. uh, Shannon Doherty immediately agreed to do it, which was, that was pretty cool. Not, I mean, she's she's got charm money coming in, I imagine, so... Yeah, residuals and whatnot, Mm. probably. Depending on her contract, but at that point, she'd been around for a while, so... Oh no, Mumford was after. That's interesting. Mumford was nineteen ninety nine. Ah, well, oh, I figured that was before. All right. Well, that's my number five. Um, Corey, you volunteered to go next. What's your number five? All right. Um, so my number five is Jamie Rellis and Dylan Harper from Friends with Benefits. I feel like that counts. Is yeah. I I mean I actually don't, I'm not. Is this the uh, Justin Timberlake Natalie Mila Kunis Mila Kunis film? Okay. I have, mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen that one or the Ashton Kutcher mm-hmm. Natalie Portman movie. Uh, I love this movie. Um, I mean, obviously it has JT, but um, I love that it starts with them being friends. And then I feel like I don't think it's a, a thing that can happen that you can start having relations with someone and for such a long time and not develop feelings for them. So I think that it's kind of fun to watch their um, friendship kind of blossom, I guess. Um, And I just think it's a fun movie anyways. Um, Woody Harrelson, Patricia Clarkson are in there also. Um, So I just think it's a fun movie and I like them together. I think they have a lot of chemistry on screen. See, uh, Richard Jenkins is in it as well. 
Oh, yeah. He's in everything. He does do a lot of great character work, so it's usually a good sign. Um, I, I know this movie and the uh, the other one with um, Kutcher, I can't remember what that one was called, but they were like the same plot from what I could tell. And they came mm-hmm. out really close together. It's that weird trend in film where you have two very oh. similar movies come out around the same time. Um, yeah. yeah, like Deep Impact and Armageddon, yeah. and Dante's a- Peak and Volcano, mm-hmm. uh, Jaws and Orca. Yeah, Hollywood's got this tradition of doing that. Yeah, no yeah. strings attached. That's what it is. Yep, no strings attached. Yeah, they were both the same year. I mm-hmm. am not a Kutcher fan, so. Oh, but you are an Natalie Portman fan, so. I am. Touche. <laughs> More a Kutcher fan lately with what's he yeah. covered he's gotten. That that uh, thing going on the oh, internet. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. But and yeah. My, my wife's one of his production assistants is someone that my wife went to high school with. They've lost contact. Yeah, one of the guys that he's always in the picture with is is something someone that she graduated with. Oh yeah, she mentioned that. But, yeah, that's awesome. I, I won't share his name because then everybody will start looking it up. <laughs> um, and then uh, so this movie I I skipped uh, much like the No Strings Attached. I think I've seen clips of both, but neither really, you know, called to me to come watch it kind of thing. So Me neither. I so probably we're in agreement. wouldn't have seen it if JT wasn't in it. I'll, I feel like you guys already know that, but I was pleasantly surprised and I wasn't sad about it. That's good. I mean, I don't I don't dislike either of the actors, um, or the leads at least. I, I didn't know about the other, the supporting cast that was in the film, but... Um, it, you know, it just looked like kind of a cheesy comedy that didn't uh, didn't call to me to see it. Um, but yeah, I, I I wouldn't necessarily like not watch it if it were on. But sorry, I have nothing to add to their love story. It's fine. Me neither, guys. Okay, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Nobody really added too much to Mallrats. So, Mike, um, what's your number five? All right. Well, I'm gonna head a different direction. Um, and I will, we'll see, we'll see where you guys, cause you know where I, I, I this was kind of tough for me and I was actually typing all the way till about five minutes before we were going to start. Um, so this one's from 1989 and Helen Mirren heads off this cast for, I'll just give the title without kind of skirting around it. Like I like to do the cook, the thief, his wife and her lover. Uh, her role is the wife, and I'd have to dig up the name. I, I believe her character's name is Georgina. And, well, obviously there's the part of her, her lover. Um, the thief in the film is just this heavy, just not very affable. There's no, he's very disliked, but everybody has to respect him because he is this pretty much a crime boss, a mob boss. In the time period, and it's kind of you can't really. It's obviously not modern day time, but it's they don't really quite spell it out. And if they did, I might have missed it when I watched it. Mm. If you can't tell, I'm having difficulty describing it because it is a difficult. I mean, it's a, it's a gross understatement to say it's difficult to describe. The content in this piece would be also kind of gross in a way, and a different kind of gross. Um, if you, uh, whomever's listening, you're. Uh, are able to stay around to the conclusion of the film, you'll be rewarded with one of the most unusual methods of getting rid of an antagonist that's probably been committed to screen. Mm-hmm. It, um, long story short, what ends up happening is <clears throat> as the thief and his wife go to different places and they, the thief has taken over this restaurant, the cook is such a fantastic cook, you know, and this restaurant draws a lot of people from the town. And she notices a very understated, very quiet, very opposite, a polar opposite of her husband. And she and he, this librarian, very uh, kind of trite, but I mean, very mousy looking guy. And they just have this passionate love affair. 
Well, obviously, the thief, once he finds out, he his crew ends up murdering him, um, uh, making him swallow his, his uh, pages of his beloved books. Um, mm. And that's how he dies. Um, wow. The wife then decide, decides to have an affair. Needless to say, uh, near, by the time the end comes around, cannibalism is involved. Holy crap, man. I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, and the cook is on. Everyone, because of all their hatred for the thief, uh, just jumps in. I mean, this is how she destroyed. She never truly loved her husband, and she really did love her her lover. And once they did that, her husband had that done to him. Then she was, uh, you know, woman scorned. And she was, I watched this way too young, 89. Let's see, I was, would have been 16. Let's say it came out the next year, probably 17. And it was one of those, you probably didn't get a very big release because I think it was probably NC-17 for content uh, i mean it's pretty gruesome but just that that's just a that love that she had for her lover to do what she ended up doing to take revenge was pretty huge so when mike thinks favorite love story <laughs> i know hey, hey if someone I... loves someone that much oh, you man. better watch it it's, um it... i do see that tim roth is in this yes and i'm he does have wondering how much he's in there because I love him, um, but just very uh, he, he I don't think has a huge role. Actually, let me see because I forget where he's billed on it, and it, it's been a long time since I've seen. This is going to be one of those that's tough to find. There he is, eighty nine. Oh, Michael Gambon plays. Yeah, Mitchell. I'm trying to think of what <laughs> it's been so long. What was what's the name of this movie again? The Cook, the Thief, His Wife and Her Lover. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that it just rolls off the tongue. And sure enough it was NC seventeen, just over two hours. Um what are the reviews on it? It's seven point six out of ten. Wow. It it just it stood out to me. Hey, um, if I'm gonna you know I'm uncommon. Oh yeah, and, no, I, no. I would expect nothing we, less. I was about to say we expect nothing less exactly. Um yeah, I you know, I, I'm looking at mine because yours is definitely uh, not the genre that I was expecting. I, mine are mainly comedies, not necessarily rom coms, although to segue into number four, my number four is a rom com. And it's one I watched last year. Um, I heard about it, and I I really loved it enough that I wanted to talk about it. So it made my list. And it's called Man Up. You know, Man and then Up. Um, from 2015, starring Lake Bell and Simon Pegg, and directed by Ben Palmer. Um, I heard about this on a podcast, and I was really intrigued. One, uh, Lake Bell, um, I my first encounter with Lake Bell was a, she has a... Supporting character in What Happens in Vegas, the uh, rom-com with Ashton Kutcher and Cameron Diaz from, I don't know, 2010 or something like that. This is more than one time that Ashton Kutcher shows up here. Yeah, he does a lot of rom-coms. True. And uh, Lake Bell was really funny in that movie. She's probably the funniest part of What Happens in Vegas. Um, And I hadn't really seen anything with her in it, and I heard about her in this movie. I was like, oh, I liked her in that one film. And she's done a few other things that now I've watched, and she's become one of my favorite actresses. Um, and it's uh, Man Up is um, she's single and kind of you know awkward and, and goofy, and uh, she accidentally takes the place of a blind date. Um, like this woman she's riding the train with is supposed to meet a man, and the only thing he knows to like identify her is she's going to be holding this book. But Lake Bell ends up holding the book. And so he mistakes Lake Bell's character as his blind date, and she just kind of goes along with it because he's really charming. It's Simon Pegg. 
And so they have a date, and it's going really well, and eventually it's revealed that, you know, I'm not the person you were supposed to be on a date with, and he gets pretty mad, and then, you know, there's some there's some stuff already. There was tension beforehand. Um, but how, how it plays out is very rewarding. It's very funny, and yet it's... Um, it's there's a really sweet love story to it. It it does you know it warms the heart and um, uh, Lake Bell and Simon Pegg are both hilarious and there's it's a legitimately funny rom com like there's a lot of true comedy in the film and um, yeah it's one it, I, last I checked it was on Netflix still that's where I watched it last year and I I highly recommend it Man Up from 2015. You know I remember Lake Bell the first time I remember her was in I, th- I had to look it up because it's been so long Surface. Remember that TV show? Uh, yes, I didn't watch it, but I do recall um, seeing. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that many people watched it, and it just kind of went off. There was ABC had another one had a similar premise, but slightly different. You know, and you, the other thing that stuck out to me, she's in No Strings Attached as well. Oh, that's pretty funny. And um, she actually is in a film that I believe she also directed um, called In a World. Yeah, I want to see that one because that's a takeoff on the. Um, the guy that does the in the world. Yeah, right? exactly. Where, She's competing yeah. to replace him. Um, yes. And uh, her main competition is um, her father and her father's protege. Um, so it's it's pretty funny, and she directed and stars in, and it's it's pretty great. Um, again, I'm a big fan of her. I, I highly anything she's in. She was also um, in the Secret Life of Pets from this year. She was the voice of Chloe, uh, one of the the fat cat in the film. Um, and one of the, I would say one of the highlights of the film, her character, but, um, yeah, but her and Simon Pegg and Man Up, definitely if you're into rom-coms or you like good, a good funny movie with some romance, then I say give Man Up a watch. Mm, I might, I might. I, I didn't know she also that. voiced, uh, Bojack and Bojack Horseman, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's to watch. A, she's in a bunch of the comedic crowd, um, character actors stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, Corey, what's your number four? All right. I'm going back to my 13-year-old self here. Um, I had to choose this one. It's from 1998. Preston Myers and Amanda Beckett from Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, good pick. I like that. Um, Is there anything sweeter than Preston Myers being in love with Amanda their whole high school career? He's in love with her, but he just can't tell her. um, Because she's popular and beautiful, and she's dating the star of the football team. But... Everything just comes together so perfectly at the end when his letter gets crazily into her hands. And um, I love this, like, how they tell you at the end of the movie where everyone is and how everything's going for them. And I really like Preston Meyer's character anyway because um, he was going to, you know, see Kurt Vonnegut, um, I believe, give a lecture or something at his new college he was going away to. Um, but they keep in contact, and I believe Amanda writes him a letter a day while he's gone, and they're still together. Is there anything sweeter? <laughs> I I haven't watched that movie in a few years now, but I love that film. It's it's definitely it's got a lot of people I like in it. Although um, you know Seth Green is hilarious in that movie. <laughs> oh my gosh! Be, yes. Why always gotta be steal my flavor? <laughs> um, and I, damn you know, woman! I've I've found uh, this list really hard to remember. Like everything, like I'm trying really hard, like sitting just you know thinking of movies, and it was even harder to pull up stuff because while like I appreciate Casablanca, I really enjoyed Casablanca. Um, it, it's not. It's a tough watch. Well, actually, I didn't find it too tough to watch. Um, I don't know why, but I. You know, like, the love story in it, I didn't connect with the love story in that way. Mm. 
Um, and that's these like I think with the rom coms, I I use humor for most things, and so I think I connect with rom com romances a little more because that's how I approach it, you know. And um, my wife would vouch for that. That's my my take is to to use humor to uh, to woo my lady, so to speak. And um, so like a lot of the classics that show up on the list, like either like like Titanic is on so many lists, and I just think that love story is so contrite and and cheaply written and only reason why it's so famous is because it's set on a giant ship um but like can't hardly wait's love story is so relatable and connectable that shy kid who just really really has his heart set on this one girl and and not because she's the the superstar because he sees who she really is and that's that's sweet and endearing and it's 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 such a good pick and i completely blanked on this movie i didn't even it didn't even pop up on my radar which it should have and so good, good grab, Corey. You're not surprised, of course, Ethan Embry being one of your favorites. So, I love him. Come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> so I can just be quiet the whole time because I'm going to be so starstruck. Although he plays a jerk in all of his movies now, guys. Uh, as he's gotten older, yeah, he he's generally getting cast. Even on his appearance of Walking Dead, he was a schmuck. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking jerks, of, Walking Dead yeah. jumped the shark last night, but let's move forward. Um, they what? They, they jumped, what? Hold on. Jump the shark. It, it, there's a new group, and they're ridiculous. Um, they're, they were in the book, though. So if that's it's not exactly the same from what I'm. So they have changed it. Okay, yeah, because I watched it and I'm like, yeah. I I, to see. I stopped reading the book before that group showed up, but from what I could find online, this is a like reflection of the group, not exactly the group. Um, but like so the the way they were speaking, it was just it was just bad. It was just like why why do they have a different language pattern than anyone else for some reason? Like there's a whole lot of people here. I don't dialects. feel like it's just dialects. It's not even dialect. It's like 1984s. <sighs> like English's words have been trimmed out. Like it's, it was it was so so weird. Um. Anyways, uh, Mike, what is your number four uh, top five right. movie love story? All right. Well, I've mentioned before that Sarah Polly does no wrong in my eyes, or typically doesn't. I mean, and if she may have, it's probably because she owes someone a favor or, you know, she signed off and had to do something contractually or something like that. In any case, 2003's My Life Without Me focuses around Sarah Polly's character, Anne, that discovers she has ovarian cancer. Mm. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, again, mine are not going to be the typical ones. And yes, she does love her husband. She loves her family. But in, in a sense, she wants to have a bucket list. She's never known anyone but her husband. So she wants to take on a lover, which I guess here's another common theme in my list. Um, <clears throat> now, it's a, it's a difficult thing to watch and process this triangle between Sarah Polly, Scott Speedman plays um, her husband, and Mark Ruffalo. This was the first time I really notice who mark ruffalo was but it works and i mean she really does truly love her husband and does things and gets things set up to kind of prep him because i think if i recall she does tell she might have told she might tell her mom i think played by debbie harry um and she talks she kind of commiserates with a, one of her co-workers played by um amanda Plummer, honey bunny from pulp fiction ah yeah um that woman's crazy and well, she plays such a different role. Everything's really ah. understated uh, in this particular one. It's definitely more dramatic and not a whole lot of humor. Um, and, you know, and as much as she loves her husband and, and the character Mark Ruffalo plays Lee and ends up breaking each of their hearts in totally different ways, um, you know, I bought into it. It got to me. And I, I think the toughest thing is, is her not telling her husband. And she even trying to even in a way trying to fix him up to 
get things, uh, her affairs in order and get things. And she does leave stuff for each of them uh, for once she's gone, you know, again, oh. to try to try to keep things taken care of. It's not easy to watch. Um, it's definitely not a fairy tale ending film. It's an uncommon depiction of love for sure. Um, but it's stuck with me since I've watched it. And just so everyone has the name, it's My Life Without Me. Without Me. Um, it which... showed up on my other list uh, because of its use of the Beach Boys. Um, oh. God only, uh, God only knows. So are uh, the movie songs? <laughs> yes. My Life Without was that a foreign film? Because um, Canadian, it's Canadian. Oh, okay, so because um, on the poster that's on IMDb, it's in a different language, which looked Spanish, but maybe it's French. Um, um well, now I can look at it because oh, that's Time Hop, not IMDb. It's it's also possible that um, they just have that poster there. Um, Why would they do that? That's I don't weird. Know. Yeah, because that's they're profiling you slightly. Uh, they're like, <laughs> oh, we know you're trying to watch more foreign films. Um, yeah, well, I'm intrigued by the film. Um, I like Ruffalo, of course, and uh, he he's an interesting one because I was not aware of him until Avengers, and then I realized how many movies I'd seen oh. with him in them and just didn't remember him being there, like Zodiac, for example, um, which he's a major mm-hmm. role in Zodiac, mm-hmm. and, of course, so is Robert Downey Jr., so there's a little Avenger connection. Um, it's all a plot, but... He was in Eternal Sunshine of the Spot. I yes. haven't watched that yet, and I still oh. need to. I haven't um, either. That's, that's in Spanish. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's what I thought. So uh, I was like, oh, that's weird because these actors aren't in Spanish. But <laughs> um, okay. But uh, yeah, so it's just a weird IMDb thing. Um, all right. Well, uh, Corey, I take it also you've not seen this movie? Uh, no, two out of two. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Oh, I, I'm not <laughs> even counting anymore. It's like. <laughs> I just expect to not have seen them and get excited when I, I have. Know. Well, you know, I have to rebuild my list because I lost mine when my phone died. So here we go. Oh, your phone. Oh, but no. it does sound it does sound like I like that it's a different kind of story. I'm trying not to use the word interesting here. Um, so can it ask, does make me interested in it. Can I ask and a I question, write- Corey? What, what app are you using to t- uh, type your notes in? Oh well, I had it before. Well, remember I had to get a new. Um, phone because mine just died for some reason. Uh-huh. So I was, I know, just stop. I'm not talking anymore until it's my turn. You're going to tell me. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I am such a, I, I just am not very technologically whatever. Um, so I just had it on like a little notepad on my phone. Oh, okay. I was just going to recommend I was, like, that you use adding like, stuff all the time. Like Google I Keep know. or uh, Google Docs. Simply because I, we could access it on your computer right now. That's all. That's the only thing I was going to say. Um, oh, I thought you were going to tell me. on the computer? I know. And when I lost my phone, I'm like, I'm such an idiot. We use Google Docs for everything. I use yeah. Google Docs all the That's, time. Uh, I love cloud computing mainly for that versatility. Um, you know, if I'm... Because I, I work on my list sometimes. Like, if I'm waiting at a restaurant for food, I'll pull out my phone and work on my list. Um, that kind of thing, because I know I can come back home and work on my computer, um, and you know, or I use I end up using like two or three devices because I'll have one where I'm looking the movies up, the other one where I'm typing the movie name and whatnot. So, um, and I've also mm-hmm. gone old school. I, I write things now in a in a journal, so you know I'm all over the place. But um, I like the versatility of the cloud computing. But let's move on to our number threes, um, and you get your number three ready, Corey. Um, in my tradition, I think all five of mine fall into a rom-com category, except maybe number one is slightly less. Um, but my number three love story isn't the main story of the film, but it is a predominant one. And that is uh, 2012's Pitch Perfect, um, the <laughs> romance between Becca and Jesse. Um, that's Anna Kendrick and Skylar Aston, who um, I have been quoted as saying that Skylar Aston makes me giggle. 
and I will continue <laughs> to say that. Um, I I thoroughly, uh, admittedly had a bit of a man crush on Skylar Aston. I found him extremely charming. He can sing, and um, his his ambition. He's in school, and his ambition is to score movie soundtracks. And I love that. Like I'm just like, yeah, it's, it, they brought movies into a movie, and I love when they do that because I love movies so much. And um, I didn't see Pitch Perfect in the theater. I waited. I was very late getting in on this movie. It didn't seem like something. It was definitely not. I'm not the target demographic for that movie. But um, my wife and I rented it, and we are huge fans of the Pitch Perfect movie. We liked the second one. There's a third one coming out this year, and I'm a little, you know, uh-oh. It's going to probably be ridiculous. Um, I think, uh, I forgot her name. Um, hold on. I, wanna, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Rebel Wilson has gotten mm-hmm. um, the Zach Galifianakis treatment, which I know I've said uh, on this podcast before. And it, what I mean to say is after the success of Hangover, you started seeing him typecast in that same type of character in other movies, and it doesn't, it didn't flow. Even in the second and the third Hangover, it just kind of was, okay, more of the same. But too much, you know, like the, he becomes a predominant force. And same thing happened with Rebel Wilson in the second Pitch Perfect and everything else she's been in. She's this obnoxious, over the top character and they push it every single time and it's not getting better. So I'm I'm a little worried about the third one as the second one. She I mean, the movie opens with her. The second movie opens with her uh, splitting her pants or her leotard or her outfit. I don't know what the correct term is for what she's wearing. Um, so much so that the I believe they're doing a show for the president and they witnessed her um, her down under area, which is, I believe, <laughs> even a joke they make because she's from Australia in the movie. So um, good day, mate. In, going back to my favorite love story and why it's number three, I, I really love um, the progression of Becca and Jesse throughout the film. Um, Jesse is immediately taken by her and is. Um, she burns that bridge, and it's great because it's it's reversed. Usually, the guy will burn the bridge, and the you know he realizes what he had, and it's it's flipped. And in this case, Becca burns the bridge, realizes what she had. Jesse refuses, and then she has to do this big um, you know kind of moment to show him that she cares and that she's sorry by tying in one of the best uh, songs from a movie ever, which is the end of The Breakfast Club, which she integrates into this really awesome medley. And that's one of the reasons I love Pitch Perfect. The music is actually really enjoyable. But um, I do love this love story. And in the second movie, my biggest concern was that they would rehash this and their love story would be you know on and off again. And it would be, oh, are they going to get back together? But nope, their relationship is rock solid the whole movie and it's never a source of conflict. And I loved that part of the second Pitch Perfect. That they didn't redo the same bit from the first film. Her, her and Jesse are solid. They're in love, and everything is great. I you, also did not. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, you don't have to ha- skirt around your interest of her down under, mate. <laughs> you know, hiding behind this this love story. Get a bit of a Vegemite sandwich. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Rebel, uh, Rebel Wilson's not the love story though, so it's not. I know, but yeah. I'm, I'm thinking you're using that. Uh, Definitely not. I'm just because again, we don't see it. Only the president saw it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> listen um, to the sound. So- listen to the sound of disappointment in his voice. Nope, oh. not at all. I feel, I feel very <laughs> oh my attacked. gosh! I'm feeling um, very attacked. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> what? I need an adult. Pineapples. Uh, all right. Um. Go get your pen. Um, I have an apple. So, Corey. Oh. Um, <laughs> I was not I was, going that route. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Anyways, I was just going to say that I was late to this movie, too, because it. Mm, 
You know, I probably shouldn't, but depending on who suggests a movie to me and their other movies that they're interested in, sometimes I, you know what I mean? No, yeah, it makes perfect sense. There's so many movies, you can't see all of them, so you have to weigh people's uh, suggestions. Yes, Um, I did like this movie much more than I was expecting, and I liked him as a character because doesn't he, like, work at the college radio station, too? Yep, they both do, yep. Uh, And then he, like, introduces her to all these movies and can't believe she hasn't seen them, and, you know, I liked that part of their relationship, too, that he introduced her to so many things that she wasn't into before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love that love story, so... All right, Corey, what's your number three? All right. Um, my number three is from 2011's Jane Eyre. Um, Mia Wasikowska plays um, our title character. And then Michael Fassbender plays Edward Fairfax Rochester. Um, I've actually wanted to read this book for a while before I saw this film a couple years ago. But um, I like Mia Wasikowska a lot. Um, in Jane Eyre's this orphan, she goes to be the governess of this very wealthy man's um, niece, and she's in love with him, but she's poor and, you know, um, pretty much a servant, so class, you know, differences there. And he's um, actually going to be married to a woman who is also wealthy, and she's jealous, but she continues to do her job. Um, But he ends up confessing his love to her. I'm such a sap. Um, But they it ends up not working out, and they're separated. I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but she ends up coming back to him at the end, and he is now blind. But it seems that they will rekindle that relationship. Um, I just love this movie, and I think it's beautifully shot. If I'm ever going to watch a Jane Eyre movie, they have to add in zombies. Um, That's what finally got me to like Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed the end zombies, Pride and Prejudice. I don't don't like the Victorian-type time period pieces like this. They, They irritate me. Um, oh, yeah. Now, what if it were redone and, uh, in, in a 10 things that uh, I hate about you kind of manner? I would I would not dismiss it entirely. Has, have, has it been done like that? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um, niche, t- time to fill in. Because there's another movie, it looks like. Uh, Jane Eyre also was in 2016, um, if I just hmm. saw correctly. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 2006, which is probably... Oh, no, wait, 1996. 1943, 1980, oh, there's a lot lots. of Jane Um, So more, I guess, on me for not having given this movie a chance. Um, one of my good friends and co-workers, uh, they, he teaches the book uh, in his English class, and I, every time he talks about it, I kind of, I, I just, I'm like, Ugh, I can't. I, I don't, I honestly know very little about it. I'm being very prejudgmental. I just know that I tried Pride and Prejudice in, when I was in high school. Um, I think I tried it again later, and I, it just, it just does not appeal to me. Um, and this is a Jane Austen book, am I right? Um, I thought that this was Charlotte Bronte. Oh, well then I might just have this all screwed up. I so could be wrong. I might now be you have me questioning myself. Judging this too harsh then. Um, and maybe I, I, I lumped it in with the Jane Austen novels, um, which is Pride and Prejudice, her. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. Okay. That is. So, yeah. If I'm wrong, then maybe I need to give this a chance because I do like Michael Fassbender and I don't mind Mia, whatever her last name is. And, um... You know, I liked her in Alice in Wonderland just fine. I enjoyed her in Crimson Peak. Um, and I think that's the only things I've seen her in. But, yeah. She was also in Only Lovers Left Alive, but you haven't seen that yet. No. And then this is all I've seen her in. <laughs> Mike, have you seen Jane Eyre? Any of the iterations? Uh, <laughs> having had my literature stuff, this I've just... I, I came short of having a com arts literature double major. Mm. And the reason I didn't finish the double major is I didn't want to have another three-hour lit course in my senior year. So 
that said, no, I haven't watched this. Ah, I'm with <laughs> you. I'm with you. And I, I also, my, my degree is mass communications initially, and I did take several literature courses. I don't feel like any of my professors made us read this. I, I was pretty selective. Like, I took um, more interesting classes that I found the, the literature selections to be compelling. Um, I think I did African-American literature, and I really liked that class and found the books to be much more entertaining than what I think I would have fallen if I'd fallen into, like, the Pride and Prejudice type selection, which I'm not even sure what literature class I would have been in, but I, I got lucky it's, in college. So, mm-hmm. and again, it's not saying they're bad. It's just an outside of my taste for not some reason. Not your cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, which would be appropriate for those movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Word. Put another shrimp on the Bobby from Rain Wilson. How not many Rain lumps? Wilson, whatever her name is. <laughs> Rain Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dwight. <laughs> Fact. Question. Dwight Shrewd. <laughs> All right. Question. I don't know. You know, her 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 name has escaped me that quickly. Rebel Wilson. Rebel. Yeah, there you Wilson. go. Rain Wilson. And, and her brother Rain. And her brother Rain. <laughs> <laughs> He, he loves beats. Um, Mike? Yes. Uh, what's your number three? All right. So this for this pick, I went a little more the road more traveled. Uh, Jack Nicholson, Helen Hunt, Greg Kinnear. Mm, as good as it gets. Obviously, oh. 19, yes, 1997's As Good As It Gets definitely falls into a romantic type of, you know, it's definitely more rom-com, even though it's a, not quite. I mean, it's a James L. Brooks uh, production, um, and... Because of the myriad of neuroses that Melvin Udall, 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 uh, as played as Jack Nicholson has, he's not ever, he, he won't and likely cannot approach what would resemble a, a typical relationship to us, you and I, the every people, with any sort of what, what could be considered normalcy. Um, the line, that whole line, because there's all sorts of interactions and he always finds a way to say the wrong thing he's he's saying the stuff that i wish i could say sometimes and sometimes i do um you know without thinking and then i'm like oh i feel a little regretful sometimes um you know that whole you make me want to be a better man the you know how much that ends up meaning to helen hunt because he isn't the better man typically he is so different and sometimes Maybe that's what stuck with me sometimes. You know, I think there are times when any of us could feel so out of place, out of touch with what the norms are. And somehow, you know, she gives him a chance. She gives him a lot of chances and then doesn't. And then, you know, he screws it up or and they kind of go banter back and forth. And I think that's the thing is sometimes in rom-coms, things just flow so easily and it just, you know. But sometimes it's, yeah, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes, you know, I, I'm not saying that there's got to be um, gnashing of teeth every single night. I can't imagine a relationship that's that way or that will, I mean, my wife and I are coming up on 20 years. And if it had been 20 years of that and 97, so they had that years, the year we got married. So maybe that's why this stuck out to me. Um, mm, interesting. Uh, I don't know. As good as it gets, I saw as a kid. Um, I was probably, same. you know, it, I was probably a junior. Was, uh, if it came out in '97, I probably saw it '98. Um, so maybe I was a sophomore, even um, depending on what time I saw it. But um, I, I remember a lot about it mainly because uh, before, other than as good as it gets, I think the only knowledge I had of OCD was from What About Bob, um, mm-hmm. the uh, Richard Dreyfus Bill Murray vehicle, and. Um, I, I just remember really, you know, watching and, and I really, I took it all in. Like I, and 
I I feel like that mm. may have been the movie that had a lot of people start saying they were OCD, but aren't you know those people that self-diagnose um, diseases they've heard of from movies? <laughs> yeah, like before women, yeah, yeah, you like you're like oh I'm like that. It's like you you're not like that. You you maybe really get annoyed if something isn't perfect, but you you aren't like obsessively you know mo- counting doorknobs or you know or yeah. locking and unlocking the door or bringing your sil- own silverware to a restaurant like that's where it's compulsive and it's legitimately like a neuroses as you said um and I, I i remember that movie and i also remember helen hunt in that movie very much um and I, I i liked it even then i haven't seen it in a long time um because jack nicholson is i mean not he's he's a, it's a great performance but he's the character is so frustrating because you you feel bad for them but you're just like oh you're your own problem even though you can't control it like it's so frustrating um so I I I, don't, I think I tried to sit through it again a, a little older and I, I just couldn't um, not because it was bad it just made me like okay I I can't I can't <laughs> I can't experience these feelings again. Well, I mean, and it's t- rough too. What ends up happening with um, Greg Kinnear's character when he gets assaulted? That's, that's oh, that's right. Yeah, that's now that's and... a uh, he's gay in that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh man. Yeah, I recall now that movie was really great, and I think it opened my eyes a lot at that age too because. Um, you know, in the nineties, there was a lot of homophobia going around, um, especially like for high school kids. Like it was, you know, that was one of the most common insults was like, you're gay. And everyone was like, oh my God, no, I'm not, I'm not gay. Don't nobody. And it was like this horrible time. I mean, um, obviously there's way worse times, but I just remember like everyone being so homophobic about stuff in that movie. Um, that was a really sympathetic character and it was, it, again, good, good pick. Cause I didn't even think about that one, but it's really, really compelling. I well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, you go ahead. Well, and like we, like we touched on a little bit earlier, it's not perfect all the way around. Things happen back and forth and it's not all roses the whole time. No, I haven't seen this movie in a long time either. Another one of the ones I know it's a good movie, even though I haven't, you know, it's a quality film, even though I haven't seen it in such a long time, and I was so young when I watched it, but it's also one of those movies that I don't really understand why my mother loved it, but she would watch it frequently, you know what I mean? And it was heavy. I remember, I don't remember a whole lot. I do remember, you know, Greg Kinnear is an artist, um, but there's a scene, I think, where they're sitting at the table, and doesn't he just say something so cruel to her that she gets up or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when they go to the fancy restaurant. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I can't remember what it was. And she just, that's where she walks out and she's done. Yeah. I need to rewatch this because obviously I'm going to appreciate it and understand it a lot better. But yeah. Good pick. All right. Well, my number two um, is going back to the comedies, but a year later, uh, 1998. And this is a movie that um, I have rewatched dozens and dozens of times. And um, it's 1998's The Wedding Singer. Um, and the love story is Robbie and Julia. Uh, Robbie played by Adam Sandler and Julia uh, Drew Barrymore. Um, this would be their uh, the first of three movies they've done together. Um, and I love The Wedding Singer. Um, I love the, like, again, I'm not a big fan of 80s music, but my movie choices, apparently, I like 80s music in movies. Um, I really enjoyed The Wedding Singer. I watched it for a long time I watched it probably too many times um but I love the love story and how he wins her by singing the song that he writes for her he finally writes his own song after only being a cover musician um Billy Idol supports him (laughs) um (laughs) nobody talks to Billy that way you know and the struggle is they aren't together um because they're both in other relationships at first and uh you see them starting to fall in love both you know just things not working out things not clicking misunderstandings 
and it's 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 a roller coaster of emotions and i i generally do i i think it's a really sweet love story and um there's so much fun in the movie and uh great sequences um so it, when i was looking at my list cuz i had a, i have a, a about 8 um on my honorable mentions that could have easily have been on this list but wedding singer just stood out to me cuz i i genuinely loved the love story in that movie so Robbie and Julia, and and I mean not even to men- not even mentioning the John Lovitz bits. Mm-hmm. He's losing his mind, and I'm reaping all the benefits. <laughs> and, and all the and he just kind of ducks and behind. Steve Buscemi, and, uh, um, Steve Buscemi being is the wedding the tr- singer at the wedding end. singer. Good save, wedding singer. Um, <laughs> and the uh, George George uh, boy George uh, the, wannabe. Yeah, shut up. Just all, and that whole you know that was missed. Um, those little parts where you, you know, we see it because we see her side, his side. Yeah. Um, and you oh, know yeah. the dramatic irony. Up, hmm? The dramatic irony in the film is is really mm-hmm. strong and and works. And, uh, and when she, when she prints up the the the, the, the sheet music, the, the sheet music, the personalized one, and you know he's thinking that it's you know he needs to monetize himself and because he's listening to his other sometimes his friends give us the worst advice uh, there's a lot more this would be i would say from the golden age because uh, sandler's yes. not quite recaptured it no and i want to watch this one again sometime somebody put some pants on that kid dude there's so many great lines in this movie like i mean you, um his ex the ex-girlfriend when she comes to that <laughs> <Use her. laughs> yeah and the little kids like linda you're a bitch and it's just like oh <laughs> And yeah. he's like, we're, we're having him tested. We're not just like, there's so many <laughs> oh, funny parts in when, this movie. Oh, um, also, when she's trying. Okay, first of all, Julia, Gulia. Um, yeah. And then <laughs> when she's trying on her wedding dress and he's walking down the street and he looks up through the window and sees her and she's actually, intru- you know, pretend introducing herself as his last name. Yeah. But he just sees her dress, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, and this is sees her I'm, smiling and, you know, <laughs> loves her so much that he's willing to let her marry Glenn without ruining her happiness. Of course, we know the truth that she wants him. And it's so like you're like oh my god please get together and uh, I I'm glad you guys agree with me this is a great love story I I love this movie I'm not really an Adam Sandler fan but this I think is his best this is my favorite one I it it's so great and it, it's uh it's a really well made period piece too because you know it's it's ten years um it's set ten years prior to its actual uh production <laughs> so you know and they do a really great job with it um. Again, the Billy Idol actually being in the movie, um, pretty crazy. That's fun, yeah. Yeah. And since passengers in first class get to do pretty much whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> I love, they're so, uh, it's so great. Like, And that's, I can do the same thing that we're all doing right now, is just pulling random lines and scenes from this movie, because it's so, it's so well made. It's definitely one of his best, and it, I don't want to say it's his last best, but it's one of his last best. Like, it, it does start to go downhill after The Wedding Singer, so... Um, sorry, Adam. Uh, we're not trying to insult you, but you definitely you don't seem to love doing it anymore. Um, all right, Corey, what's your number two? All right, so I'm here to make you guys cry. Um, one of the first, my one and two came to me super fast as soon as you reminded us what the podcast podcast was about. Um, I just remember sitting in the theater, and Pixar does this to me every single time. Oh, geez. This made me ball, though. I'm talking about Carl and Ellie from Up, yep. 2009. That's a great pick. Um, I love, I love their love story, and it is so real. It shows 
there and we can tell he's quiet he's reserved he comes from a quiet reserved family and she's the adventurous outgoing one and she like brings that you know she has him stepping out of his comfort zone and she has him planning a trip and doing all these fun things that he more than likely would not do if he was not with her um but it shows the hardships they go through too um not being and it shows children um, yeah. 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 I actually just showed the montage to uh, my classes a couple weeks ago. Um, cause we were, we're talking about the word montage and what better montage is there than that. It's essentially a short film within the movie up that shows their whole relationship. And it's amazing. And it, it is one of the best on screen love stories. So good pick. And still more emotionally involving than the entirety of the Twilight <laughs> Agreed. stories. Oh, so much. <laughs> Um, we, I didn't mean to cut you off though, Corey. Is there anything else you wanted to say? No, I just love that movie and I love their love story. And I think it's the sweetest. Now, it's it's interesting because of the movies we've said. Their their love story, I mean, it doesn't end in the beginning of the film, but she does die, if, spoiler, um, in the beginning of the film. <laughs> and yet, it's his love for her that drives the rest of the plot. Him trying to honor her, her goal, her dream. Um, and so, I mean, the love is what pushes him to keep going and also like learning to, uh, love other things after she was gone, you know, cause he learns he's, he's after she moves, after she passes on, he locks himself in the house and he doesn't, he's not nice to people. He is not happy. And it's the adventure that he has to learn to let things go. I mean, it's a really like, great movie. He's like it the is. Pixar, Pixar John Wick. I knew, Scout, I was thinking Boy Scout instead of a dog. There's still a dog. A no, there's a dog too. There. Doug, man, squirrel. There's, dog, there's a dog too. Yeah, but the dog doesn't this, die in this movie. <laughs> when you were saying, when we were talking about it, and John was talking about, it, I was like, oh my god, John Wick. <laughs> John Wick. Um, yeah, he doesn't go on a rampage. So. Um, no, <laughs> but it, it is fire. learning about grief. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, Mike, what's your number two? All right, so I'm gonna traverse into the realm of fantasy with uh, Matthew Broderick, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Rutger Hauer uh, from 1985's Lady Hawk. The premise of the film is pretty simple: two lovers are cursed to be always together, eternally apart, because of the jealous rage of one of the antagonists in the film. They had done something, and so he cursed them. Um, so what ends up happening is they never can be human uh, in human form at the same time. So, for example, one will be a hawk. Oh, gosh, I just dropped, I just lost my train of thought. I've got five different things going on while I'm doing this. And so one's, one's, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer will be a hawk. And then the other Rutger Hauer character becomes, oh, my gosh, I've lost it. I'll look it up because but they they can't be human at the same time. They're one, when one's a human, the other one's an animal. So they're all even though they're right around each other, they can never be together. And so Matthew Broderick as the mouse, that's his nickname, um, ends up going through and helping them to try to break the curse. And there it is. It's just it's a little different because this was one that I remember my friends had talked and really liked it, and so I just like okay. Because I wasn't quite sure, and once I saw it, I actually never bought it, and I haven't watched it in a long, long time, long enough that I'd literally <laughs> forgotten the other form. So, oh, and i got to look that up, so well, I'm... Okay. No, um, one's, no one's seen it? I have not seen it. I'm looking at it on IMDb, though, and I am intrigued, I have to say. Um, although it does feel like they're pushing the idea of bestiality a little bit, but... Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, don't... You make it weird. Yeah, well, I'm... <laughs> 
like eventually like, you know what we can just be together it's fine like i like talking now <laughs> i want to know what the other form is too why does it surprise you we haven't seen this <laughs> like it, it is uh it's weird i was three uh Corey i was born. born yeah black wolf a wolf and a hawk. Was born. then Shut up. No, i'm just saying it seems like a strange movie it does have michelle pfeiffer in it um and matthew broderick you said yes yep yes i but it... don't like him in most movies like I like him as Ferris Bueller, and that's about it. Yeah, he drives I'm me nuts in almost everything else. Even he's the protagonist in Cable Guy, and I don't like him. Like I'm like, you know what? Chip is better. I prefer Chip, the crazy Cable Guy, than I, think I do you're you. Supposed to though, because it is the Cable Guy. It's Maybe, not... but but Chip is purely crazy, and he's he like there's there's some scary scenes. If you haven't seen Cable Guy in a long time, there are some scenes that are just like mm-hmm. really creepy and horrifying. Mm-hmm. But I like I don't like him in election. I don't like him. Um, he showed up in Manchester by the Sea, and it's like the worst part of the movie. Like, why is he <laughs> even in that? Like, it it's so bad because it's such a small, quiet movie, and it's like, hey, look, Ferris Bueller's in this movie for some reason, and then it's he's gone, and it's like that was a horrible casting job to put that big of a name in that small of a role, especially if if other people feel like I feel, and he's not good in most things, or he's too good and he's just obnoxious. Um, Godzilla, 1998. I rest my case. Guys, I didn't know he was the adult Simba in The Lion King. Uh oh. I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Donald Glover was just cast uh, for the young Lion King. Yeah, childish Gambino. Childish. childish yeah. Not, not young. Young, childish, whatever. <laughs> Immature baby. Babies are such infants. Gosh. Look, nobody puts baby in a corner, Mike. All right, let's move on oh to my number one. And be ready, you two, because I'm about to spoil the movie for you. Um, oh, no. My favorite love story is Joel and Clementine in Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind from 2004. Okay, I'm, you just <laughs> oh, well. message me okay. when you're back no, when no, you're no. done spoiling. No, I'm not going to spoil. But I am going to talk about the premise of the film because the setup is what makes this love story so compelling. Um, do you guys know what the film's even about? Um, um, he's trying to get his memories back from uh, the me, girl he loved or something. Charlie Charlie Kaufman is the writer, and if you know anything about Charlie Kaufman, he is a surrealist writer. Um, that is the only word that I can use to describe him. Uh, he did Synecdoche, New York. Um, adaptation is about himself with writer's mm-hmm. block. Um, and uh, Eternal Sunshine is no different. They're in a world where there's a company that can erase painful memories. So, like, say you have an animal that dies. They can erase the memories of that pet completely so you won't have the pain. That is what they specialize in. And Joel finds out that his ex-girlfriend, Clementine, has erased him. And he decides, out of spite, to erase her from his. And so that is um, the we are following Joel and we actually get to go inside his mind through the process as his memories are erased, which offers some amazing visuals and just awesome representation. But as he's going through the procedure and is go- reliving these memories, he starts to regret going through the procedure because he doesn't want to forget her. He loves her. And that is, I'm getting chills just talking about it. It is such a like relatable and sad story, and yet the love that the two of them had, and then even seeing it lost, it is um, heart, you know, heartbreaking. And I won't ruin how the film plays out, but it, the stories that we get to see, because a lot of the, what we see are essentially flashbacks, but they're memories of his, and they're done. It's 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 definitely more of a drama, but there's it's Jim Carrey, so there's going to be comedy. Kate Winslet is amazing um, in this movie. She, it's actually where she wins me as a fan. Um, her performance in this movie is so fantastic. 
I had not seen this until last year. I've watched it four times since I saw it. Um, and I, I love this movie. Now I taught it because I loved it so much. I immediately planned on showing my students and and discussing it. And there's a couple of uncomfortable scenes that I had to like do some prefacing uh, with my students ahead of time. Like no laughing when this scene happens. But um, it's it's so well written and it's so visually compelling and interesting. Uh, Michael Gondry is the director, um, or it might be Michel or Michelle. I'm not sure. It's M I C H E L. Um, and he did uh, these kind. He did Be Kind Rewind, which is another film I'm a big fan of. <laughs> um, a very underrated B movie from with Jack Black, most deaf, and Danny Glover. Um, but uh, all about film. And I, I can't recommend Eternal Sunshine enough. And I really do think it's one of the best love stories ever. Because I think it's how most people feel. Like, you break up with somebody because something got hard. You know, and doesn't mean that the love that you had wasn't worth having. That the experiences, no matter how painful they are now, that they should be forgotten. And it's an important lesson. And again, like you said, there's actually two love stories in this movie. There's a Kirsten Dunst love story that's also really compelling. Um, it's Kirsten Dunst and uh, Mark Ruffalo are two of the main major characters. And uh, uh, Frodo. <laughs> Elijah Wood. Sorry, his name was not coming to me. Why do we always forget his name? I, it's a weird name, man. It's a, We're sorry, Elijah I, Wood. I'm sorry, Frodo Baggins. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I love it, and I, I really want you two to watch it. I'll watch it with you guys. So, Corey, if you want to fly Movie down. Um, uh, yes, Corey, definitely. And, Mike, maybe you could and be a guest. And let's have Mike on. That, you could be a guest on that episode if you're up for it. Um Eternal Sunshine. I have had this on he's my not, list for a really long time, he's not and I know I need Corey. to watch it. Let's never invite him on the podcast again, because now it just is awkward, like, oh, <laughs> San- oh no. Sanchez wants to distance himself from these guys. <laughs> do what? I just was making a joke, Mike. We love you. We want you to do a, a, a movie club episode with Eternal Sunshine, so I can make you watch it. Okay. That's Camille. I'm just thinking I'm gonna, I have homework now. I have movie homework. Yep. Uh, it's a it's a great film, and again, I didn't spoil the ending, so who knows what happens at the end. But um, that is the setup. So I don't know how much of that you guys knew going in, but um, I didn't know that much of it when I went into it, and I really think I would have watched it much sooner had I known exactly what it was about. Yeah, all I knew was what Mike said was that he's lost his memories, but I didn't know mm-hmm. why. Actively. Um, in the Save the Cat world, we call this an out-of-the-bottle story, um, as he's, his wish is to uh, have this done, the spell is this procedure, and um, the lesson that he has to learn is, you know, what, what I already said, he learns um, that he doesn't want this, and now he's in a situation where it's not easy to stop the process. So um, definitely one to watch, and again, my favorite love story. So Corey, what is your number one love story? I feel like I should have some kind of trumpet playing in the background. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so my number one is one of my favorite movies ever. And I feel like I talk about it all the time. But as soon as I thought about this subject, it was the first one that came to mind. Oh my God. It's Edward Bloom and Edward and Sandra Bloom from Big Fish. Ah, I um, have still. OK, mm. so you can spoil this one for me because I have not seen this movie. Um, um, well, uh, so we, I've already talked about this, but um, Edward falls in love with her at first sight when she comes to the circus. He's, um, I believe he's already working at the circus and his payment can now be that he'll receive one fact about her each month. So that's all he's going to get paid for working at the circus. Um, and then finally, when he does learn her name and where she goes to school, he goes to try to woo her, but he finds out that she's already engaged 
I love when he tells her, you don't know me, you don't know me, but my name is Edward Bloom and I love you. And then he has a field full of daffodils for her because he's found out it's her favorite flower. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I okay. Ewan McGregor is charming. Okay. Yes. Um, I also love Albert Finney as older Edward, and Jessica Lange is just perfect. But I just, I just don't even know what all to say. Um, like Sandra, he gets into a fist fight with Sandra's fiance because Sandra's fiance finds out about him, and she doesn't want him to hit to hurt him, so he doesn't, and he gets the crap beat out of him. And then that's when she decides to not be engaged to him anymore. But um, I just think that the story's really fun um, because Edward tells a lot of stories and people don't know what's true. So I think that sets up a lot of... Yeah, I need to... uh, I started watching this. I got halfway and I was taken... Like, I had to stop. I wasn't by choice. Something happened. I had to stop. And I, I, you know, I I don't enjoy stopping a movie and coming back to it. And I wasn't able to come back to it very quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. I have purchased it since then because I was watching it on Netflix or Amazon or something when I started it. Um, so I, I have every intention of watching it. It just hasn't happened. Um, so maybe a movie I, club in the future for that one, too. I feel like it should be. And I just realized that this movie is almost 15 years old. It would be really rad if they put it in IMAX and rescreened it. That would be cool. Mm, it's been a long time. I, I, I haven't watched this in a long time. Well, um, so we have nothing to add, Corey. So let's move into Mike's Sad. number one. All right, well, mine, again, I'm going with a little bit different. And um, All right, so James Spader and Maggie Gyllenhaal play opposite of one another in 2002's Secretary. And if my list hasn't been any indication, I feel that like sometimes love manifests itself in ways that seem really different from what the norms of our just everyday you and I might see them as. Um, and of course, in this one, it is readily apparent. Um, it's basically a, a, an exploration of a, between a dominant and submissive person when it comes to BDSM. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not professing any expertise on this. Uh, I have no firsthand experience with this. Watching Spader's E. Edward Gray and Gyllenhaal's Lee Holloway just kind of find out about and discover one another is just a voyage that isn't for everyone um and and uh, it's just so what they both go through with one another to you know eventually find a way to express that love even though it might not be what we are used to it's something to watch this is definitely not for everyone um, my wife and I both watch it, and we we haven't revisited it in a long while. But it's it, it. I'll be honest; it might make some people very uncomfortable. And I never clicked that. Oh, that guy's last name is Gray. How derivative is that other work? That's ah. I was mm. I was thinking that when you said it. What was the name of the movie? Secretary. Yeah, I have not seen this one, which again, not surprising. Um, not because of the content, because it's a movie that I've never heard of, and thus, um, because I like Spader. Um. I didn't really know how much I liked James Spader until uh, I think the Blacklist. Um, he's really good in it. Yeah, and I was I was like, man, I want to watch some other stuff with him. And he's done some. I mean, he's often a villain, um, but man, his just the way he delivers dialogue is so compelling. Obviously, even in going back to Pretty in Pink, you, you just want to kick him in the head um, in that movie. So I, I'm intrigued by it. Although the subject matter um, and the age difference between him and Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah kind of nerve-wracking again love doesn't always fit well even in my honorable mentions you'll see some of that as well Mm. got it i have heard of this and i wanted to see it because of james spader but uh okay 
Well, I have to say, ladies out there who are spending your money on a bad movie, um, the critics, yeah. the critic score for this um, is sixty three Metacritic, um, which is much better than what Fifty Shades is getting, and it sounds like it might even be a similar type of movie. So maybe watch this instead because these actors are actually talented. And from what I know of the, the two <laughs> in Fifty Shades, they're not so great. So, um, but let's move into our honorable mentions as I've just made people angry. Um, I just thought of one that I'm really upset because I think it would have been in my top five. I knew there was a movie I saw last year where I was so moved by the love story in it that I cried. And it's one that, Corey, I hope you also feel bad if it's not on your honorable mentions. Uh, five to Seven starring Anton Yelchin. Um, oh, we're fired. I, I knew there was a movie that last year I watched, and it moved me so much with the love, and I could not remember what it was, and I couldn't think, and all of a sudden it just hit me. And I'm like, oh, my God. I If you haven't seen Five to Seven, which I hadn't even heard of until Corey told me about it, and I'm a huge Anton Yelchin fan, you know, rest in peace. And I loved this movie, and I cried really hard at uh, a certain point. I don't want to spoil it because, again, I don't. I assume most people haven't seen Five to Seven, but I, I definitely think it could have been on my top five. It's definitely an honorable mention. Um, some other ones that I have, um, w- another rom-com, Music and Lyrics, um, Hugh, Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore. It's, again, uh, music works for me, and I, I just found uh, Hugh Grant to be super charming in that movie. Um, and Drew Barrymore is really charming in that as well, and obnoxious at times. Um, Mr. Right from 2015. It's a Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick relationship. I love Sam Rockwell. It's a really quirky, fun um, movie. Uh, I enjoyed very much. Um, the Handmaiden, uh, Lady Hideko and Tyree Kim. Um, I think that's how you say her name. Um, the Danish Girl, uh, Alicia Vikander and um, Eddie Redmayne. Uh, I found that love story to be super compelling because... Um, Alicia Vikander uh, has to watch her husband want to become a woman and stands by him and loves him despite that and is able to support him or her um, through a, at the time, unheard of procedure. Um, And it was very, very, like her, particularly Alicia Vikander's performance, um, you can see her heart's broken, but she loves him enough to support him and not leave him in his uh, pursuit of his desire. And it's it's super compelling. Um, another rom-com, uh, The Proposal, with um, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, which I find fun, 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 fun. Um, High Fidelity, which is one of my favorite movies ever. And uh, That Thing You Do. Um, mm. The story, though, with Liv Tyler and Guy, which is often Guy just being the friend, but eventually... They get together. So those are my honorable mentions. Corey, what you got? Okay. I have Jenny and Forrest from Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. even though when I was younger, I didn't quite understand why she was so mean to him. Oh. And then Adam and Eve from Only Lovers Left Alive. And then AJ and Corey from Empire Records. That's the good one. That's a man. That probably should have been on mine as well. And, and I did forget about five to seven. And now I just feel like such a traitor. Mm, that's a great mm. love story. Really great romance. And very not the happy ending that you would expect. But no. man, there's a moment in the ending that my God. I told you. Told you. Broke me. And it was funny because Corey was like, I, if you don't cry in that movie. And I'm like, it's almost over. And I'm about to text Corey like, I haven't cried. And then I saw it and I cried so hard. So... Mike, yep. what are your honorable mentions? <laughs> All right. So, again, these are going a little bit odd on the topic. One is an older sci-fi, like 80s, I think, A Boy and His Dog, Don Johnson. I want to say Melanie Griffith, but I could be wrong with that particular person. But it's post-apocalyptic, and Don Johnson's the boy that has his dog that's telekinetic. 
They can. He's got this relationship with it, not bestial. Oh, but then a girl enters the picture, and then it goes from there. Uh, so a boy and his dog. Airplane, because I watched it this morning, <laughs> and it stuck out with me, with <laughs> Robert Hayes and Julie, uh, ha- Julie Haggard, and the, just I couldn't. Uh, it's, it's Mike. Airplane. Surely you can't be serious. Yes. <laughs> Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Uh, but Chasing Amy, because yeah. talk about, wow, just probably one of his finest moments. Um, Friday the 13th, nothing speaks the love of um, between a mother and son like oh, that's Mrs. Not the Voorhees. Right. Kind of love story. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, oh. She'll go all the way. Oh. No. She'll oh. go, I don't know, yeah. um, psycho on people because, yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying and psycho. Then, huh? I thought you were saying the movie Psycho, because I could totally That's see that. Um, no, 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 no. I did not include that one, although I could, you know, with my loose definition of the topic. And lastly is one, it's a Stanley Tucci and uh, Tony Shalhoub film called Big Night. And it's mostly about their love of food. Oh. And it's very understated um, because they're wanting to get this restaurant off the ground. And I forget what time period. I want to say in the 40s, 50s it's set up in. Just it's it's comedic and just it gets it's very much a character study. So uh, no no action. I mean I've been a fan of Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub for a long while, and they just got this was one I need to buy, and not very many people have seen it. But that's that's what they're they, they get they, their joy and they want their business to succeed, and it's about food. So Corey and I did top five movie love stories, and Mike did top five movie love fetishes. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, to each his own. <laughs> Although that's a potential future list, I suppose. Um, oh God! Oh, well, how am I going to tackle that one? Then I already. Just oh, did. you're going to have to, you know. Yeah, you're gonna it'll be guess, like you're going to have to get regular love stories. That one. Yep. Oh, no. oh that's like, that's the fetish. Tarantino and feet. Oh. All right, guys. Well, that is our podcast for the week. Um, if you like what we're doing, please share it. Uh, please follow, subscribe. Um, come to our website, read our reviews. It is BurkeReviews.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at BurkeReviews. And Corey? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And Mikey? I am at ServerMonkey uh, on Twitter and Instagram and anywhere else that I was able to get that before someone else. As I mentioned earlier, we would love to hear from you. Uh, what is What are your favorite love stories from films? We would love, especially, like, sure, you can tell, say Casablanca and Gone with the Wind, but we're looking, you know, what are your personal favorite ones? And if those are, to each his own. But these are the ones that resonated with us. We're not saying they're the best, but they're the ones we love. So with that, guys, thank you for your, your evening, and I will see you again next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Peace. Peace.